Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. Good evening, and we continue the story of Yaakov and Lavan. We're in Perik Lamad, and we're up to Pasuk Lamad Aleph. And the last thing that happened was Yaakov said he wanted to go away back to his home after the birth of Yosef. Rashi explained the significance of Yosef allowing him to go home. And Lavan said, no, please stay and I will pay you. And what do you want? So now Yaakov introduces the proposal that he has. And this is the story of the spotted and speckled sheep and, and the somewhat mysterious way in which Yaakov earned a lot of money. Uh, is it genetics? Is it Siata Deshmaya, which of course is not contradictory? Uh, is it just a miracle? We will see as we go along. But uh, there's, a, there's quite a bit of sort of technical stuff and I think fairly sort of technical Rashi's because the language and the process is, is hard to understand. So Rashi's got a lot of work to do to tell us really what's going on. So let's start with Pasuk Ramadala. So in answer to Lavan's question of what you want as your wages, Yaakov says as follows. He said, Ma etain lach. Sorry, ya- Lavan said to Yaakov, What should I give you? Yaakov. Yaakov said, Lo li ma'uma. Don't give me anything. Im if you do this thing for me, the thing I'm about to explain, Ashuva, I will return. I'll go back to your employ. And I will do my shepherding. Soncha. I will guard your flock. And what is it that he wants to happen? The following. I will go throughout your flock. Hayom today. Remove from there. Every lamb that is Nakud and Talu, Rashi will explain what those are, so I won't. V'chol chum, and every lamb that is chum, which is a color, which Rashi will explain, savim, amongst the sheep, kesef and keves, it both mean sheep, it's an interesting um, pair of words where the letters can be swapped in the same meaning. Here we have kesev, in the plural, kesavim. V'talu v'nakud, and again, talu and nakud, different way around this time. Be'izim in the goats, v'haya sechari, and it will be my reward, my payment. So the basic idea is that all the sheep and the goats, which are a little bit sub suboptimal because they are nakud v'talu, and they are chum, which we will explain, are removed. And then Yaakov says, that will be my wages. And Rashi will explain what he means by that. He turns out he's not referring to the sheep that are removed. He's referring to something else. So let's see how Rashi explains uh, the um, meanings of these odd words. Nakud, says Rashi, manumar, which means spotted. Sorry, I'll try again. Bachavar barot, dakot with little spots, kamo nukudat, which are like spots. And he says in French, pontoir, um, which is the modern French word ponture, which means lots of things, um, but it does mean lots of spots, balaz in the French word. Yes, you recognizing that word? Not much. Not much. <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered if it was like the word needle point or the word point. I don't know if it is. Um, but it means it actually means quite a few different things, but it means lots of spots. So nakud means spotted. So Rashi's explained, he first of all replaced it by the word monomar, presumably because he thought that might be more familiar. And then he uses this word which is hard to pronounce, Bachavarborot Dakot, with lots of little with little spots, Kamonukudot, which look like spots. Sorry for the paucity of the English uh, synonyms, and pointure in French. And the next word is talu. Um, which means Loshan Tala'im. So it's the expression of Tala'im, which obviously is the same word. Tala'im means patches. 
So talu means um, like variegated, different patches of different colors on this on the wool of these sheep and goats. Uh, continues Rashi, chavarburat rachavot, which means wide spots. And now we understand that in the previous one, he said chavarburat dakot, little spots. That was kamonukudot, which is his explanation of nukad. And now he says talu also means different color wool, but it's wide spots. So there's a difference between a spot and a patch. And then he says chum. Now, by the way, um, we're gonna come back to the relationship between the sheep and the goats, because um, it's not clear exactly what conditions apply to which animals. And, and we're going to discuss this in, in the next Rashi. So I'm just mentioning it now. It's worth looking back at the verse and seeing that it says, kol ser nakud v'talu, every lamb that is spotted and patched. And then it says v'chol ser, and every lamb chum v'kosavim, which is, well, Rashi is going to tell us what chum is, amongst the sheep, v'talu v'nakud v'izim, and then patched and spotted amongst the goats. Remember that, because um, if you're not confused already, you will be. And uh, Rashi, well, we'll see how Rashi handles it. Anyway, back to Rashi on the word chum. So Rashi says chum is the same, in the, or is what's in the Targum as shachum. Now shachum, well, let's keep going, dome la adam. It's similar to red, but shachum is basically dark. So it's dark, which is similar to red. In other words, dark red. Uh, rouge blaz, and that's a word we might recognize, rouge, as in sort of dark red in French. And then he says, Russian Mishnah, we find it, this expression in the Mishnah, if you ordered wheat, which was and it turned out to be white, then you've got a you've got a, a uh, invalid sale and you can get your money back and not, you don't have to take the white, what, white what? Well, Rashi tells us, this is referring to produce or to grain. So the story in the Mishnah is if somebody paid for grain, which was shachamatit, and they got grain, which was white, they've got a valid claim. So what is shachamatit? It's the same word that we're using here. It's actually an, an example of the Targum's word, which is shachum, obviously related to the Hebrew chum, which Rashi has said means dark red. And in the Mishnah, that's what it means. If you paid for grain, which was of a reddish color, then you, and you get white, then you, uh, you can get your money back. Incidentally, the Ramban uh, agrees with Rashi, but he says the word chum here um, comes from the or hachama, the light of the sun, chama, sun. And it says, uh, so this reddish color is shehudomer l'shemesh achar yit adam ketzat. It's the color of the sun after it's got a little bit red. Not sure when the sun goes red. When it's setting? Yeah, probably when it's setting. Um, so it's just interesting that, that obviously we're all familiar with the word chum in Hebrew, which means brown, which is the word I haven't said because Rashi doesn't actually say that. He says dark red. Maybe he means the same as we do when we see brown. Um, and the Ramban says that the source of the word is ham, as in the same as in the sun, because it's a color of the sun when it goes red. So we now understand that all these sort of deficiencies in the sheep and the goats, they're uh, spotted and they're patched and they've uh, got dark red patches or dark red all over. Those are the ones which are to be removed from the flock. And it will be my reward, my payment. Says Rashi, those which are born from now on, which are nakudim v'tuluim v'izim, u shachumim v'kasavim, yihyu shali. So those which are spotted and patched amongst the goats and dark red amongst the sheep, that will be mine. So now we're probably familiar with the story. So we might not have realized what Rashi has to do here. But if you look at the verse, it seems to say the complete opposite. It seems to say something completely different. The simple meaning of the verse 
is you take out the spotted, the brown, the speckled animals, and they'll be mine. They will be mine. That's what it seems to say. But that makes no sense whatsoever in terms of what's going to come now on. Because what Yaakov endeavors to achieve is that lots more sheep and goats are born with these spotted, uh, spotted patch discolored conditions. So it's clear that he's interested in the future ones that are going to be born. So as we read on, it's clear what his salary is. But the simple meaning of this verse might lead you to the completely mistaken impression that the ones which are removed today, the spotted, patched, etc., are, are what he wants as his salary. But says Rashi, no, no, that's not what's going on at all. What will be his salary is the ones that are spotted, that are born spotted, etc., from now on. So Rashi makes this very clear when he says, Oton, now, interestingly, Yaakov didn't say that explicitly to Lavan up till now. He hasn't talked about ones that are going to be born. Maybe he did, but the Torah doesn't report it. Or maybe he deliberately didn't talk about it because that, if you like, is his secret plan. His secret plan is that they, he will find ways that the sheep will give birth to lots and lots of spotted and patched and discolored sheep. And maybe he doesn't want to spell that out to um, Lavad. Maybe that's why he doesn't mention it. And it sounds to us, the reader, that he's saying something else. Now, the next thing to say is, as I promised you this was coming, sheep, goats, what's going on? According to Rashi, the salary is going to be the nakudim utaluim izim, spotted and patched amongst the goats, ushachumim, and discolored the kasavim amongst the sheep. Yet that's not what was referred to in Pasuk Lamavet. There, if you look again, every lamb which is spotted and patched, and every lamb which is discolored, which is dark red, amongst the sheep, and there's also patched and spotted amongst the goats. So there are two ways of reading the comment of Rashi. Um, it could be that you read, um, let me get this right. The Nukudim Utuluim Bi'izim, U Shechumim Bekasavim, as saying they're two separate categories. The uh, goats are the spotted and the uh, patched, and the sheep are the uh, dark red ones. And that's the simple reading of Rashi. In which case we have to reread the pasuk, and the Ramban reads the pasuk as like this. Going back to the pasuk, when he says at the beginning or sort of the middle, "Kol talu," that's referring to male goats. The word "se" can refer to a kid goat. "Kol that's referring to the sheep. "Vatalu izim," that's referring to the female goats. Now, it's a bit of a forced reading, but we will see in a little while um, the Pasuk itself distinguishes between the male goats and the female goats. So there's a certain justification for the Ramban's position that the Nakudva Talu in both cases refers to goats, once male and once female. So if you read the Pasuk like that, you end up with what Rashi says here is when it comes to goats, they are spotted and patched. When it comes to sheep, they are dark red. Or you can read it as saying, going back to the Pasuk, that the sheep can be, uh, the sheep which are removed from the flock, but the ones who are going to be born in this condition belong to Yaakov, as two, or actually three different types of sheep, spotted or patched or dark red. Any one of those amongst the sheep goes to Yaakov in the future. They're, they're the ones who are removed now, and the ones that are going to be born go to Yaakov. And the Talum and Akud, but izim means the patched and the spotted amongst the goats. So again, sheep get in in three ways, and goats get in in two ways. And that is an easier reading of Pasuk Laman Bet. In which case, how do we read the Rashi? So the, the key is in the Vav before the word Usha Chomim. And you read it as, Nakudim v'taluim b'izim, spec I'm reading the Rashi now, spotted and patched in the goats, and... Also, 
uh, is the sheep, there's another category in addition to spotted and patched as regarding the sheep, also shechumim in the sheep. So the sheep get in in three ways. And so if you read that vav, as in addition, the sheep not only can be spotted or patched, but they can also be dark red. Then you get the Rashi as the same as the Pasuk. So either you use the Ramban to read the Pasuk in a more, um, I think, bit of a, uh, I keep using the word stretch, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a better word to refer to the, the, the Ramban's own idea. It's not for me to say that the Ramban's stretch something, but it's intricate the way he's read the Pasuk. In which case that fits in with the simple reading of the Rashi, or you leave the Pasuk with its simple reading and you work harder to reinterpret the Rashi. So the bottom line is either we're saying goats have to be um, speckled and, uh, sorry, uh, spotted and patched, and sheep can also be spotted and patched or and also dark red, or you say, um, it's just a simple case of goats are spotted and patched and sheep are dark red. Okay, back to the Rashi in a moment. Yes. In your experience, um, are you familiar with Rashi speaking about like the color Adam anywhere? Like Adam and Adama? No, nothing springs to mind. Okay. I'm just wondering if there's something like if Kom is more red than like. Adam being like Adama is more brown. Uh, Adam as in Adama, Earth, oh, meaning more brown. Like I don't know. Um, this, the, the real sort of home dress of colors is Tazria, when we talk about Saras. And Saras of houses is Yerok Rock or Adam Dam, which Rashi says is deep green or deep red. Uh, yeah. And that's the only one I can think of. Okay. Trouble is a little bit like the, the old philosophical question. Do we all see red the same color? And the answer is we can never be sure. We can never know what other people mean by red. Mm. And I would suggest we can never know for sure what Rashi means when he says Adam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not crazy. I mean, when he says dark red and we see hum, which we sort of instinctively think of as brown, they're not different at all. Yeah. I think maybe even brown is like dark red. I'm not enough, I'm not an expert yeah. on pigments. It fits. Okay. Continues Rashi. So we pause for a moment. So the ones that are in, sorry, the ones that are born from now on with this condition, Yihyu Shali, continues Rashi, but Oton, Shiyeshnon Akshav, and those that are there now with this condition, Hafresh Mehem, separate from them, the Hafkidem Biyad Banecha, and deposit them in the hands of your sons. Um, this is still the, uh, Rashi speaking on behalf of Yaakov. Yaakov is saying these words. Rashi expands his meaning. Um, and in particular, what he's done there, by the way, is he's, he's replaced the word haser, remove, with the word hafresh, meaning separate. Because for Rashi, that's the key point. And indeed, they are going to be separated. There's going to be a three-day journey between the ones that are removed and the ones that are left. We're going to see that in Kavad Pesukim. Uh, time and it says Rashi the whole, the whole focus of doing this removal is to create a separation between what will now become two different flocks of sheep so Rashi deliberately instead of using the word haser which is in the Pasuk here uses the word hafresh and then what's the point of all this separation continues Rashi now this is not the words of the Pasuk this is like the the, the background information to explain why Yaakov wants those currently spotted and patched, etc., to be removed. And the reason is, Shalom Tomar Li Al Hanodim so that people should not say to me or in relation to me about the ones that are going to be born from now on, Elu Hayusha In fact, they were there originally. In other words, if you come back, um, the, the deal is going to be as we know, but the ones that are born now, let's just take one example, spotted, belong to Yaakov. So at a future time, six months time, Yaakov, sorry, Lavan is going to come and inspect Yaakov's flock and he's going to find some spotted ones. And Yaakov is concerned that he shouldn't say, ah, these spotted ones were originally spotted. They were spotted when we made the deal. They're not the new ones that are born. So in order to avoid that, Yaakov says, take away all the spotted ones so that you will never say that in the future, if there is a spotted one in the flock, you won't say that was there originally 
when we made the deal. And the odd, and furthermore, Shalot that you shall not say to me, Al Yedei through the males, Shahain Nukudim Utulaim, that they are spotted and patched, Teladna Hanakevat, that the females will then bear Dugmatan Mikanda Eilach, their pattern, i.e., the same as the males from here onwards. The second reason I'll say again outside is I don't want you to leave any spotted sheep with me because then you will have a claim and you will say the reason that the females bear spotted ones in the future is only because the males um, were spotted and they created baby ones which were spotted like their fathers. I don't want you to accuse me of that. So move away all the um, Plot, all, all the spotted ones and the other and, and the patched ones and the discolored ones, and then you won't be able to make either claim. You won't be able to claim that there were uh, some that you are going to claim in a few months' time, but they actually were originally here to start with, and therefore you shouldn't claim them. And you won't be able to use the male spotted ones in order to produce many more spotted offspring in the next generation, which is exactly what he did. But well, no, it would, no, he didn't do it with the spotted. Fathers, as you'll see, but he was concerned to raise many more generations of spotted sheep. Now, why does Rashi say the odd? Why does Rashi give two reasons? Again, the first reason is remove them all so you can't say in the future that they were here originally. And two, remove them all so you can't say that the males produce children with the same spotted features as the fathers. Uh, and it said that um, if it was just for the first reason, then there's a simple solution. You don't have to move any sheep away. All you have to do is count the spotted sheep. Just go around saying, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten spotted sheep. If I come back in sixteen in six months' time and there's twelve, then you get two and I get ten. I don't know what the numbers will be. Probably much bigger than that. But you wouldn't have to go through this whole schlep of separating them by by three days. Um, also, if you um, yeah, if you're concerned about the first reason, then you only have to remove um, the big, the, the, the adults. Hang on, have I got this right? No, I'm sorry. If you're just concerned about the first reason, you don't have to remove the adults. You just have to move the little ones. Because if you've got big sheep already who are spotted, and then you come back in six months' time and you find even bigger sheep, you would know that they were the same ones there before. The, the ones that you would have to remove would be the little ones, and then there'll be a doubt, were they born before or after we made the deal? Were they, do they belong to you or do they belong to me? So you could remove the little ones to avoid all doubt. The big ones, there wouldn't be any doubt about because they would, it would be obvious that they were there at the time the deal was made and therefore they belong to Lovin. Am I making any sense? Not, not much sense. Okay, so one opinion as to why Rashi needs two answers is that if it was just the first answer, okay, the situation is, today we're making the deal and any spotted sheep belongs to Lavan. In six months' time, any spotted sheep that are born in the next six months belong to Yaakov. So Lavan's going to come back in six months' time and see the spotted sheep and say they belong to Yaakov. What Yaakov is worried is Lavan will come back in six months' time and say, ah, that spotted sheep, it belongs to me because it was originally there at the time of the deal, so it's mine, not yours. Now, that won't apply to a great big sheep which is obviously more than six months old. Maybe that's, that's the missing piece. So if a great big sheep, which uh, um, is obviously an adult sheep at the time the deal was made, in six months time, you can easily identify it. And Lavon can say, that was mine. And there'll be no argument about it. And therefore you wouldn't need to go through the business of sorting out the adult sheep at this time, the adult spotted sheep at this time. All you'd have to do is sort out the young spotted sheep where in six months time, it's not clear if they were born before or after the deal was made. Is that making more sense? Okay, so in order to answer why you need to remove both the adults and the young, and or the other point is you could have just managed by a simple counting and you just see what the number of spotted sheep has grown to. That is why Rashi gives two reasons. Let's move on. Lamad Gimel continues Yaakov as part of what he's declaring to Lavan. The anta bi sidkati, my righteousness will answer for me, bayom machar, 
on the day, literally tomorrow, but it means in the future. Ki tavo al sahari. Now, tavo, we're going to see what Rashi has to say. So, but I have to translate it somehow. So I'll say, when you come over my um, wages, my, my, what I'm taking for myself as my earnings, lefanecha before you, kol asher eneinu nakud v'talu b'izim, v'chum v'kasavim, anything which is not, which is in my flock, and is not spotted and patched in the goats or dark red in the sheep, ganuv hu iti, it is stolen with me. What he's saying is, from now on, I own the spotted sheep and you own the non-spotted sheep. When I say spotted, I mean obviously the other things as well. And I mean goats as well. <laughs> um, I own the spotted sheep and you own the non-spotted sheep. So he's saying it in a, in a very dramatic way. And we'll see how Rashi even makes it more dramatic. He's saying that you can say, you can come and inspect my flock and anything which is non-spotted is yours and it's as if I've stolen it. That's the deal. So the only ones that I will keep for myself are the spotted ones. And all the non-spotted ones are yours. Okay, let's see what Rashi says. V'anta B. So the, the Pasuk said, V'anta B Sidkati, which is my, my righteousness shall answer for me. Says Rashi, Im Tach Shadeni. If you suspect me, Sha'ani Notel Mishalacha Klum, that I take anything from you, Ta'ane Vi Sidkati. My righteousness will answer for me. And then he continues, Kitavo Sidkati, because my righteousness will come, Vata'it al Sahari Lefanecha, and testify on my wages that are before you. And then he goes on to say that you won't find any spotted ones amongst the wages, but we'll come back to that. Let's start with what we've got. Rashi adds, Im Tachshadeni. If you suspect that I'm taping something of yours, why does Rashi add that? Because why would Yaakov need to imagine a scenario when my righteousness will answer for me? My righteousness, and Rashi himself uses the word he'it, will testify for me in the next line. When do you need to testify? We only need to testify about your righteousness, or your righteousness needs to testify on your behalf when you are accused of something. Otherwise, you don't need your righteousness to answer. Or a better, better story, I've just realized that I'm saying this. Anta sounds like answering a question. So there must be a question being asked. So Rashi then adds the words, Im if you suspect me, then this will be the response. So that's why Rashi has to give something which my righteousness will be responding to. Um, the next thing of note to say is, Rashi explains Tavo, not in the way I translated a moment ago, it's not when you come, when you love and come and have a look, but rather my righteousness will come. Kitavo, it, the righteousness, feminine, singular, that's the tough, as opposed to you, masculine, sing, um, uh, not you, uh, yes, you, sorry. It's you, second person, future, uh, male, or it's third person, future, female. Sidkati is female. So Rashi says that's the subject of Tavo. Kitavo al-Sakhari, it's still referring back to Sidkati, my righteousness will come and testify over my wages. And that's how Rashi reads it and says explicitly, Kitavo Sidkati, but Ta'id al-Sakhari lefanecha. So the subject of Tavo could be you, but Rashi says, no, it's not you, it's Sidkati, my righteousness. Incidentally, the Ibn Ezra takes the other view and says Kitavo means, he says explicitly, you will come and you will see what's going on. Okay, continues Rashi. So what is it that my righteousness will uh, attest? Shalom timsa be'edri ki'im nukudim utaluim. You will not find in my flock, except, uh, which in, that's a double negative of rabbinic Hebrew, you take up a double negative and it means you will only find in my flock nukudim utaluim, um, spotted and patched. Just by the way, um, um, oh, sorry, I didn't mention, but in the previous note, where are we reading? Uh, yes, I'm sorry, in this passage, Lamad Gimel, um, it sounds again like the spotted and patched is only with the goats, and the hum, the dark red, is only with the sheep. 
but I won't go over that all again. Just like we could read the pre previous passage here as saying the sheep have all three categories, we can read this one as well. Um, depending how you read the vav of the chum, because of it, is it meaning as well as being sp uh, spotted and patched, they can also be dark red, or does it mean just dark red amongst the sheep? Anyway, back to Rashi. So we haven't quite finished the Rashi. Um, you will only you will only find in my flock spotted and patched. And then all that you find which are not spotted or patched or dark red, it was no, it will be known that I stole from you. And through stealing, they are residing exly with me. Okay, a couple of things to say. The first is Rashi's added above. Doesn't sound significant. Well, if it's not significant, why would Rashi add it? On the word kol. So if you look at the pasuk, the pasuk goes like this. For anta bisidkati, machar, my righteousness will attest for me on the following day or the day in the future. Kitavo, kitavo al It, my righteousness will come. Um, on my uh, wages before you. Now, what do we do with this phrase? Does it refer back to Kitavo al Sahari or does it refer forward to Ganuvhu Eti? And Rashi makes that clear, but it's referring to it's like a new part of the sentence. And he puts the vav before the kol, before kol to make the kol to show. This is starting a new clause. So, uh, semicolon. That's how you parse the pasuk. And Rashi makes that clear by putting the vav before the kol. And the last thing I want to say is, ganuv hu iti means it is stolen. It's in the passive voice. People use the passive voice to eschew responsibility. I don't want to make a political point, but recently a senior politician in our state um, was fined for not wearing his mask. I'm not going to name names. Um, and he did express regret, but he expressed regret that it occurred, um, not that I did it. Now, I, I don't think he was being very deliberate. I think he's just permanently on politician speak. And politicians speak, they always try and avoid taking responsibility. So rather than he said, I did it, he said, it occurred. It wasn't quite passive, but it was removed from himself. Now, Gunuv hu iti is passive. It is stolen, not I stole it. But look how Rashi changes it to shaganavtiv. I have stolen it, Lachat, from you. If you find, which you won't, because I'm honest, but if you were to find, a spotted sheep amongst my flock, but you do it, you would know that I have stolen it from you. And through robbery, it is staying with, it's residing with me. And I just think it's, it's interesting, I think it's significant that Rashi makes Yaakov to be even more honest than Yaakov. Whereas Yaakov used a passive voice, which is sort of a little bit distinct, uh, distinct from himself, Rashi labels it very much the active voice, I ha would have stolen it. Because I think that's how Rashi sees that Yaakov is really, what he's really talking about, he's not trying to talk like a politician, Lavan might be, but Yaakov is not, Yaakov is being scrupulously honest. Just reminds me that in Parsha Toldot, which is this week's Parsha, um, we, we talked about this at length when we, when we learned about it, even when Yaakov is forced to say something which is a little bit untrue, like Anochi Esau Becherecha, it's Rashi who reads it in a way that is saying Yaakov is going out of his way to minimize the untruths. Let, let's just leave it as that, whether he's telling the truth or minimizing the untruth. But Rashi, is, so Rashi says that Yaakov is exceptionally trying to minimize the untruth. And when Yitzchak asks, who, are, who is it? He says, Anochi, Esau Becherecha, and Rashi explains, he's saying, who is it? It's me. And by the way, Esau is your firstborn. So he's saying something which is deceiving Yitzchak. I don't think there's any way around that. But because Yaakov is Yaakov Avinu, he has the middle of Emet. Titain Emet Le Yaakov, as it says in the Pasuk, 
He is trying to avoid anything which is untrue, uh, even to the extent of finding a way to make something untrue actually, in a sense, true. And here also, Rashi is saying, at least that's the way I read it, that Yaakov is so honest that when the Pasuk says, he's not trying to avoid responsibility. And what he really means is, I would have stolen it. Okay, what does Lavan say in response to this proposal? Pasuk Lama Dalat, Bayoma Lavan, Hain, Lu, Yehi, Kidvarecha. What's Hain? Rashi says, Lashan Kabbalat Devarim. It's an expression of accepting the words. Um, there is a different version of, uh, there's two versions of Rashi that I've seen, and one adds in here. It's an expression of the word in, hey, yud, nun, which, have you got that in yours? Which is Aramaic for yes. Uh, so according to that version, hein is equivalent to hin. Now it's funny that Rashi would um, say that a Hebrew word is equivalent to an Aramaic word, although that's not totally unheard of. In fact, Rashi's gonna do it in Pasuk Lamed Chet, which we probably won't get to this week. Um, normally he would do it the other way around, but the Aramaic sort of sheds light on the Hebrew. But in the case of him, that is a word which occurs so often in rabbinic literature, in, in the Gemara in particular, that maybe Rashi thinks that's like a reference point. Or maybe that word him doesn't appear in Rashi, and Rashi tells us it's Kabbalah Devarim. Now, what else could it be? Hain is an expression of, it's, it's quite close to yes. There's no classical Hebrew word for yes, by the way. Um, ken is not a, meaning yes, is not a classical Hebrew word, but hen does basically mean yes. But what else could it mean? So it could be short for hine. We do find it being short for hine, and hine is not the same as yes. Um, when Avraham uh, at the Brit Benavatarim says, hey, lonatata li zera. Hey, you haven't given me children. That's like short for hine. And it's not agreeing. On the contrary, it's saying, behold, there's a problem here. So Rashi needs to say that this hain is not like that hain at the Brit Benavatarim, but means Kabbalah Dvarim, an acceptance of the things or acceptance of the words. Lavan is doing something which is actually quite, quite uncharacteristic for Lavan, according to Rashi here. He's saying yes. Because most of the time, if you look carefully, Lavan doesn't say yes to a proposal. He says, interesting idea, nice idea. He just says, uh, it doesn't actually say yes, but this time, according to Rashi, he does. And then he says, Lu yehi kidvarecha. Halavai, if only, that you should want this. Now, what's the problem here? Yaakov has made the proposal, and he says to Lavan, do you agree? So really, the focus of this part of the dialogue is does Lavan agree or not? So why does Lavan say, it should be like your words. In other words, if you're going to agree to it, then I'm agreeing. But, Lavan, but Yaakov's already agreed. Yaakov has made the proposal. So Rashi says the means I'm very happy, but that's all that you want. It's really good. It's, it's, it's halavai, if only that's what you want. Now that can be read as Laban saying, wow, what a good deal. That's what you want, that's wonderful. But that's not quite the meaning of halavai. So we have to go a little bit further. So the Mizrahi says, it means halavai, that you should remain willing. You should be consistently um, wanting to do this. So this, this proposal is going to last for some time. Says the Mizrahi, reading Rashi, reading the Pasuk, that Laban is saying, yes, and means please continue to want this deal. I'm saying yes, I'm now relying on you to continue it, which answers the question of what, what does Laban want from Yaakov when Yaakov's already proposed the deal, so obviously Yaakov wants it. Says the Mizrahi, reading Rashi, that Laban is saying you should carry on wanting it. The Divrei David, which is the Taz, says something very, very interesting here. He says, um, Lavan is a trickster. Lavan's whole uh, ethos is to say, one thing in his heart and one thing what he says. He doesn't say what he really means. 
So he's saying to Yaakov, I hope in this case that you are actually saying what you mean. Lu yihi kidvarecha. May it be like your words, says Rashi, that you should really want this, that your desire should be the same as your words. In other words, I'm very happy with what you propose. I hope you mean it. And that's how Rashi explains, as you said that you want it, but you should really want it. That's what I'm asking of you. So we go on to the next stage. So what Yaakov proposed then happens. Lamad hey. Vayasar vayomhahu et hatayashim. So he removed on that day the tayashim, which Rashi is going to tell us means male goats. Ha'akudim. Now this is a new feature. We've had nukudim spotted. We've had taluim hatched. We haven't had akudim yet. Now, Rashi actually doesn't talk about this, but let's just mention it. What does Akudim mean? Akudim is related to the Akedah. Why is the Akedah called the Akedah? Because uh, Yitzchak was bound at the Akedah, and he was bound um, in a particular fashion, the way a korban is bound, with his wrists and ankles bound together. Um, it doesn't often appear like this in the classic iconography, because um, it's, well, A, because probably the Christian artist didn't understand this, and B, because it doesn't look very nice. But he's lying sort of face down with his arms and legs tied together behind him. And akudim means that the wrists and ankles, well, it's on four-legged beasts, it's just the same. The ankles of the four legs are of a different color. So rather than all over spotted, uh, this isn't really Rashi, but, but we'll mention it to, so we can understand the Pasuk. Lavan is taking animals which are akudim, which means they're just uh, variegated in their colors around their ankles. So that's something that really um, Laban shouldn't have taken out of the herd because that wasn't part of the deal, but he did. Uh, and the suggestion is if he takes the akudim, then koshukain, how much more so does he take the nukudim, the ones that are spotted all over? Obviously, he takes, but he even takes the akudim, the ones that are just spotted at their ankles. By the way, at the end of Pasha Vayetze, when Yaakov and Laban have their final blow up, Yaakov says, you kept changing my wages. Um, we started by agreeing and Rashi spells out there, it would be spotted and then you said this and then I said, okay, and then you changed it again. Every time you saw that it was working in my favor, you changed the rules. And this perhaps is a suggestion already, even though Rashi doesn't comment on it, that Laban is changing the rules because Akudim wasn't part of the deal, but now the Akudim is the ones that he's taking out of the flock. And continues, and the patched ones, and all the goats which are spotted and patched. By the way, if Tayashim means male goats, then what's left for it to be all the goats? That must be the female goats. And I said, by the way, when I talked about the Ramban in Pasuk Lamad Bet, that perhaps he sees from this one in Pasuk Lamad Hay a distinction between the males and the females. They're listed separately, which explains perhaps why the way he read Pasuk Lamad Bet as listing the male goats and the female goats separately. Anyway, sorry. All that has Lavan bow, white on it. Rashi will explain because there's a problem with those words. Sorry, the Cholchum and all dark red in the sheep, the attain biadvanav, and he put them in the hands of his sons. Okay, there is an obvious question on this pasuk, uh, which Rashi answers straight away with by adding a word. So this just remind us the first three words of the pasuk are vayasar bayom hahu. Rashi reads that as vayasar lavan bayom hahu. What's the question that he's answering? Simple question, who is the subject? It's the pronoun problem. He removed, who's he? So, and it's not clear from what's gone on before. The last person mentioned was Lavan, which is a good indication that it's Lavan, but perhaps a better proof is the subject of Lamad Hay is also the subject of Lamad Vav, because there's no uh, change between one and the other. And if you look at Lamad Vav, 
he put a distance of three days between him and between Yaakov. So the him must be Lavan in Lamad Vav. So it's also Lamad Vav, do, sorry, Lavan doing the Vayasar in Lamad Hay. Next thing that Rashi says is Etatayashim, Izim Zacharim, the male goats. Now, uh, reading this now, I don't think Rashi doubts that we would know what the word of Tayash means. Um, maybe we don't, but I don't think Rashi would have necessarily assumed that we don't know that word. It's a fairly standard word. I think the problem is it says Tayashim and it also says Izim. So Tayashim is a subcategory of goats and Izim is the big category of goats. So why, uh, why is the subcategory mentioned twice? So once you clarify that Tayashim is the male goats, and that clearly implies that the word izim is left to be the female goats. Okay. Kol asher lavan bo. Says Rashi, kol asher haita bo chavar borut lavana. All that had on it a white spot. Now, let's just talk about what Rashi is telling us about lavan, uh, and then we'll come back to the technical thing that Rashi has done. Rashi is telling us that lavan instead of just taking animals that were spotted all over, took an animal that had just a white spot. So again, he's removing from the flock more than was agreed. But what is the technical thing that Rashi's done? The problem is the word lavan. Now, it doesn't work in English because when you say white, it can mean an adjective, something is a white thing, or you can use the word white as, as a noun, sort of meaning whiteness. Can you use it? I think so especially if whiteness sounds a bit sort of cumbersome. Anyway, in Hebrew, that doesn't work. Lavan is not, apart from being the name of the chief protagonist, um, and by perhaps a coincidence or perhaps not, it's the subject of the description of the sheep, Lavan is an adjective. So kalasher lavan bo really doesn't make sense. You can't say everything that has white as a descriptor in it. It must be a white thing. The adjective must describe some noun, a very basic rule of grammar. So look what Rashi's done. On the words kol asher lavan vo, he says means kol asher haita vo chavarburit lavana. Everything that had in it a white spot. And now white is an adjective as it should be. We've restored the adjectival nature of the word lavan by giving it a noun to describe. And finally on this, v'yitain lavan v'yad panav. This Rashi is very similar to the first Rashi on the Pasuk. He's just added the word Lavan to the words of the Pasuk. Otherwise, we've got Biyatain, Biyad Banav. And again, we want to know who is doing the placing in the hands of his sons. Now, it's likely to be Lavan because he's the subject of a Yasar. Rashi's already said that. And we've already shown that he's going to be the subject. He must be the subject of a Yasem. But it could just about be Yaakov. But that would have an impact on the word Banav. If you thought the subject of a Yetain was Yaakov, then the Banav, his sons, are Yaakov's sons. That can't be, however, because we've already said that, uh, Rashi said earlier, that Yaakov's sons are busy tending Yaakov's own flocks. So we're not going to put some of Laban's flocks in the hands of Yaakov's sons to look after. That doesn't make sense. It only makes sense that we will be putting them in the hands of Lavan's sons to look after and keep them away from Yaakov's flock. And therefore, it makes sense to say the Atein is Lavan. Lavan put them in the hands of his sons. Okay, I know this is heavy going because the, I think the, the narrative is heavy going. So the Rashi that goes with it is heavy going. Um, it's, uh, we'll, finish, we'll, we'll, we'll do one more positive tonight and we'll finish it next week and then we move on to a whole different story. Um, no more about sheep and spotted things. Okay, Lamad Vav. He put a distance of three days between him and between Yaakov. And Yaakov shepherded the flock of Lavan that remained. And Rashi says on the word Hanotorot, the weak ones amongst them, Hacholot, the ill ones, the infertile ones, that are only the leftovers, Otan Masar Lo. Those are the ones that he handed over to Yaakov. So 
Lavan takes away, by agreement with Yaakov, all the spotted etc. ones, and he leaves the rest with Yaakov. But, says Rashi, based on his word notorot, the ones he leaves with Yaakov are the rubbish ones. Now, let's just talk for a moment about how that technically was engineered. If he takes just the spotted etc. ones, then the ones that are left will either be good or bad. They'll just be non-spotted. So we understand, based on this Rashi, that what he did was when he came to the strong ones, he would look and look and look until he found a white spot. And then he can claim it as ones to be removed from the flock. And he would look and look and look to find a white spot or a, um, a, a d- dark brown patch in the strong ones, leave, and the weak ones he wouldn't investigate so carefully in order to leave the weak ones with Yaakov. Now, why does Rashi say this? I mean, Rashi makes it clear he's commenting on the word notarot. So what is the problem with the word notarot that needs this extra explanation from Rashi? And the problem is, it's simply not necessary. If you take away the your sheep, then obviously Yaakov is left with the remainder. The remainder, by definition, is what's left after you've taken. And we know that Laban took, so obviously what he's left with is what he's left with. So why do we need to have the word notarot? It's simply not necessary. We can also say that the way Yaakov set up the deal, it sounds very likely that the spotted etc. were a minority. Now, if why do I say that? Because if it were that the spotted etc. were the majority of the flock, it's a funny sort of deal for Yaakov to propose to Laban. Because it means, obviously, Yaakov's going to end up with the majority of the flock, and Laban wouldn't have agreed to that. So it sounds like that Yaakov is saying, look, the spotted etc. ones, there's only a few of them, let me have them, you know, ones to be born in the future, not the ones now, because they're being taken away to, by Lavan. But let me have the ones that are born spotted in the future. So we assume that's a minority, which means if at this stage, at the, you know, at the day one of the deal, when Lavan has taken away all the spotted ones, you would be left with lots. I'll say that again. Sorry, I hope it's, it's clear. From now on, the spotted ones that are going to be born will belong to Yaakov. But on day zero, Lavan is taking out all the spotted ones and keeping them for himself. So if the spotted ones are the minority, when Lavan takes away the spotted ones, he must leave the majority. And you wouldn't describe the majority as notarot, as the leftovers, the remaining ones. So the fact that the Torah does describe it as notarot, says Rashi, means something extra. It means notarot as in shirayim as in leftovers, as in nebuchi. Um, And that also fits with Rashi's um, desire pretty much at every stage to point out the treachery and the trickery of Lavan. That even from the very beginning, he abuses the deal and he finds ways that he can give himself even more advantage than Yaakov is offering. Okay, I think that's probably a good place to pause. Next week, we'll carry on with Pasuk Lamed Zion, which talks about how Yaakov actually tries to bring about a tremendous birth of lots of spotted sheep, etc. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.